0: Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Yes, a Stripper podcast. I want to talk to you about something pretty deep right now. I'm going to get a little personal with you. I want to talk to you about my personal dealings with my own whorephobia that I had had um, leading up to maybe about a year and a half, two years ago, right? Um, But something kind of happened in a conversation I was on with sex workers, and I literally had my eyelids just ripped open. Practically stapled back onto my forehead, and I—I I was forced to look at the things that I had said and done in the past um, when you know, dealing with this horphobia situation. And I would not have thought I was horphobic. I was a sex worker for a really long time. Um, but I realized that I was doing things like classifying sex workers and um, saying, like, what I thought was good or bad or, like, I don't want to be associated with that and all kinds of really negative, like, damaging type of things. And I would say that in doing the more, more of the activism work that I've been doing, and especially doing this podcast, I've been so exposed to so many different sex workers and so many like enlightened and intelligent sex workers that have really been able to shed light on um, how we should be treating each other and speaking to each other in that we can raise each other up and that all people and women and all walks of life can be respected for their choices and for what they do with their bodies and so it's been quite a journey for me and i i experienced shame for a little while self-shame that i was horophobic but then i started to realize no it's people like me that have been like transformed that have a larger responsibility to kind of tell everybody else like hey listen like I I know what you're going through I felt this way too but here's how it can be and that's kind of I just want to say like that's my commitment to you as society and and to other sex workers is to continuously admit that I was horophobic and and that I wanted to change and I have changed and now I'm a voice for others that you know I want to like shepherd others into the light yeah so Uh, Our guest today, I actually am truly inspired by some of the posts that she makes on Instagram and by her own podcast, 50 Plus Tips podcast. So I'd like to welcome um, into the Zoom room, uh, Danica. Please say hello, Danica.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be
0: here. Hi, thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm so thrilled. So Danica, for those of you who don't know, wrote to... Yes, a stripper podcast and I was so honored and thrilled because I'm like, oh my God, like she likes me and doing something <laughs> right because you have had a podcast for like close to 40 weeks now. Yeah. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this for us is like episode 18 or 19. Like, so you're, you're like twice as far along as me. So thank you <laughs> for noticing and for being community,
1: you know? Yeah. I'm always, always like creeping new, um, new stripper ventures. Um, I think it's important as a marginalized community to support one another for sure.
0: Yeah. And I noticed that you creep on the community because you have like, you ask baby strippers, like you find brand new baby strippers to be on your, some of your episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about like why, like what what inspired that episode in particular? I don't know if you've done more than one, but I did. I was going through your stories and I saw one where you're like, actually, I'm not a baby stripper anymore, and I forget I need a real baby stripper. Can you talk mm-hmm. about that?
1: Yeah, not only am I just old and I think I have like early onset, but um, I just also like the the landscape of sex work is so much different now, it's just seven years later than when I started and the strip clubs are so different that I think it's important to kind of give voices to uh, the newbies or the baby strippers that are coming in and and what their situation is and what they're dealing with, because um, part of me forgets, but part of me, is just different now. Um, It was a lot more underground um, even just seven years ago. Uh, The community wasn't as strong as it is now, Um, especially here in Vancouver. I find it's really um, taken off in the last few years Um, but yeah, also too, I think sometimes when you're new in industry, you feel like your voice isn't worthy of being heard or you have nothing to say. And I think that's really doing a disservice, um, to the women in the industry. So I think it's important to also have a safe space for, for new girls in the industry to to talk about what they're going through. And and that's how you learn and that's how you grow, right? Um, not asking questions, but answering them and, and having that open dialogue with different, um, different levels of expertise.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder what they know about what it was like for us in like seven, 10, for me, it was even like 18 years ago Mm -hmm. when I started and like, I view it as it was better back then for us. What are your thoughts on that? Like then versus now?
1: I think there's definitely pros and cons, like everything. Um, back then and where I was working was much more like cookie cutter. Like you looked a certain way, you act a certain way. Um, You know, you had big breasts, you were very slender, long hair, natural hair color, no tattoos. Uh, So I think it's good in the sense now that they're a lot more open to different ideas of beauty. I think Mm -hmm. that's um, a huge step forward. Uh, Other pros and cons, pros that there's a lot more communication now and with communication comes more knowledge. So there's more, you know, ebooks available and things like that, and different sources that new dancers and new sex workers can reach out to and learn about saving and protection and and boundaries and all that. Where yeah. that community wasn't re- readily available years yeah. ago. Uh, cons over saturation
0: uh, yeah.
1: for, from like a more of a selfish standpoint, right? That you know more women in the industry harder to sell. And uh, a lot of new girls coming in can tend to underprice. And that's like a, a slippery slope to get into, right? Because you don't want to tell a woman what she can sell her services for. Like, who am I to tell a woman that $200 is too cheap? But <laughs> 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 I think, like Rito's list, right, where you're seeing a lot of young, very young girls coming in, you know, freshly 18 selling, you know, bareback intercourse an hour long, two hours long for $200 Canadian. And you're like, <laughs> fuck. <Yeah. laughs> um, so that's, I think that's kind of one of the the biggest cons I kind of feel. And I often hear from what I call veteran dancers and veteran sex workers is the oversaturation takes that, um, that price point down quite a bit.
0: Yeah. We had a male stripper on one of our episodes who said like that there are some places that are underground here that are like male strip clubs and that they're doing like bareback $1 blowjobs. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Right. Which is also like, while in one way I see that as undercutting the competition severely at the same time, like, I don't think that's for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And so maybe the same could apply to that scenario. Like I see, I I get, like, I feel the same way. I'm like, well, because like that happened in the aerial community too, right? This can be applied across all industries. I remember in New York in the aerial company when um, aerial activities started to become more popular at like major events that newer aerialists were like way undercharging and the professional aerialists were getting really pissed. And I think that it's just like, well, what quality are you looking for? And that there is potentially room for everybody, but it does hurt the industry as a whole. And like, can we come together somehow and like create price points that make sense for all, or do we just do whatever? Mm Mm-hmm
1: no i hundred percent agree, and I I remember I made a post about that um, and I mean a lot of I, I curate a lot of posts in the sense where I, you know I find them online i I try to always kind of give credit where credits due, mm-hmm. so I can't take credit for this one, but there was a post about that saying how um you know lowering your prices and the idea behind it was that lowering your prices doesn't um it doesn't always bring in the best clients and it kind of like messes with industry and And I had a lot of what I call squares. So like non-sex workers, you know, yeah, I'm a hairdresser and I feel the same way and I do nails and it's the same issue for me. So it's definitely, yeah, across the board in any service industry or where you have more autonomy over your prices, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it can really, um, really mess up your, your selling.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's just interesting how it's like an overall generalized, like irritant to people who are freelancers and are setting their own prices. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Um, so speaking of baby strippers, I think some of the things that I found really interesting um, that you have talked about in the past is, well, first your your baby stripper crash course. And I just think that's great. Um, <laughs> but it also ties in, I think, with something that you wrote, which is muggles taking pole dance classes. <laughs> because a lot of baby strippers are those muggles, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. what are your thoughts on muggles taking pole dance classes?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, muggles, squares, civilians. civvies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All these terms, right? Yeah. And I always say it, like, you know, like, it's said in a loving way, kind of. Um so Totally. Cool.
0: Yeah, we love them.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um It's, you know obviously you know pole dancing is without a doubt and dancing in general is without a doubt a great way to stay in shape it's a great way to explore your sensuality 100 percent for that my issue is when you see non-sex workers taking a class and then simultaneously shaming who actually gets paid for doing pole work um you know shaming strippers and i know your um your name kind of is a um is a product of that, you know, yes, I yes a stripper, because if I correct me if I'm wrong, it has to do with the way people were like, well, I'm not a stripper. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I echo the same, I think vision or ideas that you have where it's like,
0: what, <laughs> Like,
1: why are you so adamant to like, uh, separate yourself from the community? Yeah. When you want to simultaneously enjoy the product of their labor. Yeah. Um, and that's, we see that very often throughout many avenues, you know, men who comment on OnlyFans girls being whores, but then they fully enjoy their free porn. You're
0: like, mm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, <okay. laughs> yeah. I mean, don't you think that that's a symptom of whorephobia though? Like I don't want to be associated with them and I'm oh, so 100%. terrified that you'll think that that's me.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, 100%. And unfortunately, I spoke with this with a friend recently, whorephobia isn't an outsider issue only, right? We see internal stigmatization, internal whorephobia just with, um, well, let's stay in the, in the corona time right now with girls being online. And they're like, well, I'm an online girl. I don't do it in person. As if it's like, I'm not like them. Um, so we see a lot of that issue hey, is that. Is that,
0: are, is that happening? I haven't seen that yet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> okay. Like, uh, you know, I mean, there is a certain, like, I get asserting your boundaries. Oh, for sure. But to be like, I'm not, like, that, though. Mm-hmm. Like, that's yeah. not me. Like, yeah. Yeah. what's wrong with that? That is me that does it. Yeah. Is there something wrong with, with what I'm doing?
1: Mm-hmm. No, 100%. And I completely echo what you just said. It's, like, there's a very fine line between saying, you know, oh, I don't offer those services. And it's very much the intent of how you say things, right? Like, I don't offer those services. This is what I do. As opposed to, oh, No. I don't do what those girls do. <laughs>
0: right, right, right. Yeah. I had somebody ask me about cuddling, cuddling service once. He didn't know he, that's what he was asking me about, but he was, he was like, I just want someone to, like, hold me and cuddle. With. He was very sweet. And I was like, oh, you're talking about cuddling service. And he's like, oh, is that a thing? And I was like, absolutely, it's a thing. And I was like, um, but I don't provide that service. Also, I don't live in Florida. I would <laughs> I, cons- <feel> <laughs> yeah, I would consider the service. I've not considered it but then I was like well I don't know maybe I would why not you know um but I also was like but that's not something that I provide but I can maybe try to find and I asked around I asked my friends and I, I don't think that cuddling service is like super prominent and like there's no hashtag for it on Instagram I looked
1: yeah, yeah. hashtags on Instagram is a whole other issue right? yeah that's a whole other of- mm-hmm.
0: yeah um <laughs> Yeah, so I, you know, I have a company called United Pole Artists, and it's all about um, like pole dancing coming up, and um, yeah, and so this episode is going to come out well after, but like in a couple days, I am going live on that account. It's like 189 thousand followers, and I'm going to tell them what I really think, and then I would tell them I'm leaving. <laughs> And I'm closing this account and I'm oh, deleting wow. it. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, what's
1: the reason behind that? Um, I because I know now, but
0: yeah, because all I want to do is this like, talk about strippers and sex workers, and advocate and change laws and reform an entire industry. And I cannot do that. Being immersed in the pole dance industry, that's just like not like if I write, stuff about strippers on UPA. I get I get a, a, a like love but backlash and that's a big part of the reason for this podcast is because like what is this divide? And then hence also why I was talking about horphobia and then uh when I was listening to your episode, you did a respectful call out on somebody else's podcast about how they were talking about oh porn stars are just coked out. Yeah. So rude. Yeah. But that's kind of like what I'm a little tired of. It's like why why is somebody bad or not up to your personal moral standards because of what they choose to do with their body? And I'm like really tired of having the same conversation over and over again in the whole community. So I'm like removing myself from the pole community um in that sense and I'm just going to be like just shoving all of this stripper sex work stuff into their face from now on from different yeah that's my plan I support it uh no yeah 100% yeah you
1: heard that episode I actually was on their podcast I don't know when it's coming out I just did this last week
0: um can you before you launch into it tell the audience what episode of yours it was because I don't remember so that they can get context behind this conversation you remember off your head Uh, episode 33 Okay. Episode 33. It wasn't the very last one. It was the one before the very last one. Oh God. Um, I just, cause to this week
1: I've done like six episodes on other people's things that it's all, um, blending together now. Uh, to be honest, cause everything like, you know, you record. Yeah, it's
0: totally. 100%. It was 33. Insecure girlfriends and ethical porn. Yeah. That's the one. Thank That's it for going down that road with me. <laughs> um, okay. yeah, so go ahead, launch, do it.
1: So I, like we said in the first beginning, I'm very much someone who's constantly looking out, like looking for new, um, stripper podcasts, new, new ventures. Um, I also try to support, support local, you know, females or, um, I female identifying people. And, um, and just because, like, you know, local – like to support, like, to listen to local podcasts and, you know, um, throw them a follow and whatever. Yeah. And these two individual ladies are a um, little different than me. Their style's a little different. It's more like, you know, girl-girl chit-chat and – Yeah. Uh, horror readings and stuff like that. But they mentioned – they kind of t- briefly touched on porn. They asked, her, you know, how do you feel about porn? And one of the girls' response was um, – yeah, porn, all the porn actresses, are or porn stars, she called them, are coked out and drug addicts, and that's why they're so crazy. And because I've been doing sex work advocacy for long enough, that so as soon as yeah. something like that is said, I'm like Yeah, what? yeah. am <laughs> yeah, one of Yeah, when you loud.
0: said it, when you read that, when you like said it out loud, I was like, oh no. <laughs>
1: yeah, like literally, <laughs> I do my makeup, like listening to them, I'm like Bing! <laughs> <All up. laughs> Um, and you know, of course I could have just been like, whatever, like, you know, ignorant comment, whatever. But I feel like, and I say this often, if you want to be an advocate, if you want to stand for those rights, you need to call out people. Like that is now your job because if Mm -hmm. you let things slide, it's part of the problem. That's what you're never going to see change. Um, and it's not always fun. It's not always fun to be like, come off as the asshole to be like, Hey, that's wrong. Hey, we're going to talk about this. Hey, I'm going to confront you on this. It's not like the best position to always be in, but it's kind of a very evil, right? If you want to see change, you kind of have to be that, like,
0: yeah,
1: tickler that's like, no, it's not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I would use this analogy before when you want to be a figurehead or you want to be at the front of change, you're often going to get the arrows. Like, you're going to be the one at the front getting the arrows hit at you and just having to take it to protect the people behind you that aren't ready to come to the front. So, I think that's part of being a sex worker that's very out. Um, you just kind of have to accept that. So I sent them the email that you heard me read on the thing. And I think I worded it quite nicely. You oh know? my God. It was
0: so eloquent. It was so beautifully prepared and thoughtful and not trying to make anybody wrong. It was, <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> yeah. But I think too, like I'm
1: very, you know, I'm not, a not to be like, you know, I'm amazing, but I'm not a dumb person. You know, I have two degrees. Like I've done my fair share of university. I'm, I can be quite well-spoken when I want to be, when I'm not swearing every sentence second yeah. word. And, you know, I know how to write. So I think that's also important when you want to call someone out to be well-worded and, and and writing it quite clearly and professionally so they can't go back at you and be like, well, you're just a dumb bitch, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're too stupid for whatever stance you're having. So yeah, so they had uh, seen it. They, I saw the scene. <laughs> good, old, yeah. good old Instagram, like, you know, people ignore you. And um they didn't reply and I was like, Okay, okay, okay. Ignore <laughs> me. I'm not the one. <laughs> like, I am not the one who ignored. So um my girlfriend who I sometimes have on my podcast, Riley, uh, she's a much quieter version. You know, she's very much the pacifist, um, you know, or the like, you know, pacifier um who wants kind of peace and yeah. So it's good. It's a good balance. Cause sometimes I'm like, I'm going to kill this fucker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. being
1: Nice. But, um, so me and I talked about, it. I was like, yeah, they're going live today. I'm gonna call them out. Um, because then you, you're, whether you're going to ignore it or not, your listeners are going to see it. Yeah. Um, so I just wrote down saying, Hey, uh, once again, didn't appreciate what you said on last episode, um, regarding porn stars. I'd like if you like refer to my message or something like that. And they both kind of were like, when they read it and were like, I don't know what this girl's talking about. Um, You had a week to respond to this. You should have messaged us privately. That's a professional thing to do. I was like, no, I did message you privately and and you read it. And they're like, well, we don't know what you're talking about. We'll talk about this later. So I was like, whatever. So I signed out and then um, they carried on with their life, kind of called me rude. And I was not not the place to do it. I should respect their space. Eventually, we reach out again because I, I, you know, me, I'm uh, well, you don't know me yet, but <laughs> I like, I my friends always joke I'm like the queen of screenshots.
0: Yeah,
1: that, there's that saying which I got from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills <laughs> or something where it's like, um, say it, forget it, write it, regret it. Where it's like, if things are in writing, like they can be used against you. Yeah, so of course, totally. I will screenshot share, right? So, I screenshot yeah. my message, the date, the scene message, but you know, here it is again. Uh, they were, we actually had a, a, a good, um, kind of back and forth where they're like, you know, we apologize for, you know, how it was taken or if it offended you, would you like to be on the podcast? I said, yes. Um, so hopefully that podcast is coming out or has come up by this time, but yeah, it was a good conversation. Um, but, but yeah, I think you have to kind of be that person that call, calls people out. And I, I'm, yeah. I believe that the confrontation doesn't have to be a negative thing. One hundred percent. Yeah, and I'm all for it. I've always been a confrontational person. So you have you are a confrontational person. Yeah, very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, I know my boundaries like I won't talk on things I don't know of, you know, when I guest lecture at the university and people ask, you know, oh, what about me- men and men stripping? And what about this? I go, that's a, such a valid question. I'm curious myself, but I can't talk on that because I'm not uh, you know, I don't identify as a man, you know. So, like, I think, you need to yeah. know, you know, nowhere know places to talk. That being said me and Riley talked about it afterwards, how the response to it. And you know, I provided, you know, everyone's human. And sometimes when you're met with confrontation, you don't expect you can be taken back and you don't always have the most like put together response. So, you know, I forgive them for being like, that was rude or whatever they said. And it wasn't the space for it. But that begs to question, that brings to question, you know, if they had said, you know, a a racist remark or something about like, um, about sexual orientation or something that people are very much, or a lot of people are behind now, Would they have said that to the person if they had said, hey, you said a racist remark and it offended me? Would they have said, hey, this isn't the place? Like, don't talk about that here. No, because they would have had so much backlash for saying that, right? So it brings to question, you know, why was it okay to tell you, tell me that I couldn't tell you I was offended by something? And the only thing that I can come up with is that we don't view sex workers as having a legitimate voice. So you're, you know, I can tell you when you can be upset. I can tell you when you can talk about it. You know, and I can shut you down when you're upset. And I think that's a real, real problem. Um, but that's just me being like, nah, don't shut me up. Don't, you know. No, um, you're right. Not, I'm mean, not, I'm not in no way saying that like, it's on the same level of like racism and anything like that at all. Um, just the it's idea isham, that-
0: though. It's an ism, and it's a serious ism, Mm -hmm. Um, and and you're right, it's not racism, and, you know, and I'm not trying to compare apples to oranges, however, sex workers are murdered at Mm -hmm. a pretty high rate, discarded, arrested, treated like Mm -hmm. shit, bullied, the butt of everyone's joke, Oh yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a metric for failure in our society now. You know, if you yeah. fail at something,
1: I'll be a stripper. I'll be a sex, I'll be a prostitute. It's like, it's if I fail at this and that's that's the end result.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And maybe the degree of seriousness isn't the same as racism because when you're like, you're born into the body as opposed to you choose to be a sex worker, mm-hmm. at least in the, in the sense that ideally, I mean, I don't want anyone to be forced into sex work. And so ideally I'm, I'm talking about, Consensual sex work at this point. Yeah, um, yeah but so it, it's reminding me of a recent article that just came out. It's this article by Sasha Cohen, and it's about um, sex workers are no longer the butt of the joke they're making them. And it's about how, like, she opens with this story about Chris Rock basically saying, I just got to keep my baby off the pole. Like, I'll have been a good dad if my daughter's not a stripper. Um, and it's like, you know, and one of the things that also like irritates me about American dad is like the dead hooker and the trunk jokes and the uh, all strippers are on meth and have their children locked in their car jokes. And it's just like, when does that end? And even I was at, a,
1: original, yeah.
0: yeah. And I was at the seminar several months uh, around this time last year and it was in a room of 150 people and the leader of the seminar knew that I was a stripper And one of the people stood up and spoke and they made a stripper joke in front of the, and the whole room laughed because they're, uh, it's okay to laugh at strippers because there's none of them are here. Cause why would a stripper be here with all of us normal, healthy people? So, and I just sat there and everyone laughed and I just sat there and the leader, the speaker immediately looked at me and they're like, is that the case? And I was like, And then everyone kind of, like, the whole room kind of was like, huh? Like, because then it was like, oh, fuck. Like, everyone figured out in a split second that y'all just made a joke about a stripper and they're sitting right here. So do you feel good about that now? Yeah. Yeah, and um, so, yeah, and I think that you're right. That people think it's okay just to make these flippant remarks about sex workers and these jokes, and it's like um, it's really damaging and painful Mm -hmm. and tiresome. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's exhausted. Like, you know, like we've done that joke. You guys laughed enough about it. It's hilarious. You know, uh, strippers aren't, you know, sex workers aren't humans. We get it. Um, and I think too, uh, you know, it's on a grand, you know, on a grand scale with our laws and, um, and the stigma that perpetuates them and stuff, it starts with things like that. You know, it starts with little remarks about, oh, all, all porn stars are drug addicts. Like that just perpetuates those like damaging stigmas that like result in never viewing sex workers as human. So they don't have basic human rights, don't have workers' rights. Like it's it's like the small thing that like leads into like all the big things. So I think we yeah. need to kind of it at those small levels. You know, when you're in a room and someone makes a stripper drug being like, <laughs> I'm going to say something on this because that's not yeah. fucking funny. And you're going to say that to my face now. <laughs> like, I would have yeah. been, like, thriving if I was sitting with you in that room. <laughs>
0: like, yeah. Well, fortunately, it wasn't a terrible, terrible joke. But it was still, like, it was still a joke on behalf of us. It wasn't, it wasn't, like, the Chris Rock joke or, like, um, you know, the yeah. Ted hooker in the trunk joke. It was, like, yeah. a joke about stripper hours. But it was still, like. But still, why is okay. that, like.
1: Why are you making fun of another group to like get a laugh?
0: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, very tiresome. Um, I want, so I wanted, there's a couple of things I wanted to touch on as well. I saw one of your topics as um, there was a phrase you used, which was toxic monogamy. And girl, that just turned me on so much because <laughs> I am so into not monogamy um, in my relationships because I do find that the majority of monogamous relationships are toxic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and that's been my personal experience. I'm not speaking generally. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you just touch on like your viewpoints on toxic monogamy, what that means to you?
1: Yeah, well, I think... And again, like everyone's entitled to their own views. When I speak, it's 100% my view, my own experiences, my own prerogative, you know? So no one needs to at me being like, my husband and me are great. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe like I saw your husband last weekend. But, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I just, I think I've had enough experience in my own life or, you know, um, vicariously through other people where it's this idea of like, you are mine in a sense of like ownership. And like, you can't have eyes for anyone else. You only get aroused by me. And I just think that breeds such a toxic, unrealistic expectation of like partner roles that, you know, we are human and we can get aroused about other people. And, um, you know, it can sometimes you see the extreme where people don't want their partner looking at porn and they don't want this. And um, I'm like the only person you can have eyes for. And then I also, another side of it too, is, you know, we don't, and this is an analogy I try to use when I explain it to people is we don't go to one doctor for everything. You know, we have different specialists that are good for different areas. And it's a lot to ask of one person to satisfy you sexually, mentally, emotionally in every aspect. That's a huge ask. And personally, like, I'm not capable of doing that for one person. I can't be everything for them at all times. Yeah. And I think it's just, yeah, I think you're just kind of, setting someone up for failure to expect that from them, especially for a, a long period of time, you know? So for me, um, my nature of work, I'm not technically monogamous because of my nature of work, but I am monogamous as a romantic relationship. Like I do only have one extremely romantic, if you want to call it that, partnership at a time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But- <laughs> I'm so like in love with everything you're saying. Oh, yay! Yeah,
1: (laughs) good. (laughs) I'm just joking. (laughs) But, um, the way in my life, what I've found that works is short term monogamy in the sense we're like, hey, we all have a role to play in each other's lives, and I like to think that I'm always growing and developing, and you know, let's do this in each other's lives while we're growing and like working with each other and it works. And when it doesn't work, like that's okay to outgrow people and it's okay to outgrow the situation we have right now. Um, and I just, I don't I don't know if I'd ever find a partner who I would be growing with at the same rate in the same trajectory, at the same type um, for an extended period of time. And I don't want to stunt yeah. my growth. I don't want to stunt their growth. And I don't want to feel guilty if I am aroused by someone else or something else that they're not into or they're, you know. Um, So I think that's when it starts to become toxic. When we stop, we start, um, you know, really boxing our partner into like what we think they're allowed to do or, or what we expect from them, or or we put too many demands on them, if that makes sense. And that being said, like communications, everything in that, Mm -hmm. Um, and, and trust and like, and loyalty in the sense, not necessarily monogamous loyalty, but loyalty in the sense where like, I'm loyal to like your safety and your protection and like your demands, And I see you there and we'll communicate about it. If that makes sense. Like that kind of loyalty where like, I'm not going to intentionally screw you over. Right. Yeah. Um,
0: Like a business partner almost.
1: In in a nice way. And hey, if they want to pay me. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I've had people because I've, I've had this way of like wanting to be, I was in a seven year long monogamous relationship. It was really hard. I really wanted to cheat sometimes, but I knew it was breaking his boundaries, um, and I cheated just a little bit, but, and that's a different story, um, but uh, I've talked to people, like, since then, I've been like, never again, never, never again, I'm never settling, like, that's my boundary is, I'm not going to be your one and only, and you're not going to be my one and only for a very long time for like this years and years and years. I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I talk to people about it, they're like, well, is this not like cause problems? Like, doesn't that create jealousy or like fighting or, and I'm like, well, if you have even in a healthy monogamous relationship, if you're not communicating properly, you're still going to have the fighting and then you're going to have the sneaking around and cheating, which I see so much of in other people's romantic lives. And Mm -hmm. It's, like, if you're just talking and communicating, it's just like any other relationship. But just people put so much definition and, like, weight on sex Mm -hmm. in general.
1: Yeah, they do. One of the um, most, like, solid – and this is, again, I don't know what goes behind closed doors. The experience I've had with them, I had them on my podcast. Um, They are a couple – and they they call it their sled like a slutty renaissance kind of thing it's like yeah, they, yeah. yeah so they they're like swingers but they're like we don't call ourselves swingers because you know everyone pictures these like old weird people that like go to parties and like they're you know in their black 20s.
0: fishnets and leather belts yeah <laughs> yeah and they you know they're having
1: like a midlife crisis or whatever
0: but um <laughs> did the we just way- shame swingers by the way did we just shame swingers no no, no it- they, they just are. don't call the it no no they just don't no, call no.
1: They know, like society. That's what society looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are swingers. You know, yeah. they experiment with other people and they go to swingers clubs and all that. Um, so they call us songs because they feel like that, like that resonates it more too. with them. Um, but uh, but Libby and Greg, yeah, they're on one of my episodes, and the way they speak about their experiences and the way they speak about each other and the way they handle their situation is just so beautiful. And you can just, they just exude so much love and respect for one another with this idea of like, you know, I, I enjoy other people and I enjoy her enjoying other people and vice versa. And, you know, they had, I remember they explained in one part where I, you know, cause naturally people get jealous. People get felt, feel left out. If you ever had a threesome, there's awkward moments and you're like, yeah, why is he touching me? And like, you know, like it's it weird. Right. So, you know, they just, they have a thing they say and I believe it was that they ask each other for a kiss at some point if they're feeling kind of like left out or they're feeling they kind of come back at themselves um so yeah I think there's people that can really um handle relationships in the non-traditional way so beautifully and so successfully and I think it's a real unfortunate uh, view that a lot of people have that to have a successful relationship you're like monogamous with each other and you're exactly you're one and only for a long period of time and like like hey if that works for you power to you but it's just I don't think it's realistic for a lot of people
0: not I for a lot of people yeah I mean for some people it does seem to work for them but that's also because of the existence that they manage which is like the you know a lot of that has to do with their overall beliefs I think um mm-hmm. And they're just way of choosing to be. And my way of choosing to be is, like, I just want to explore. I want to go to parties. I want to know what this tastes like and what that smells like and what this feels like. I want to know about you. And also, I'm really interested all of a sudden in women with penises. I'm, like, I'm pretty sure that I need to, like, I need to manifest that happening in my life because I've been talking about it randomly for the last few months. And then last night, I just – Happened to find a video of one on Pornhub and I was like, yes. Love it. What is it? Like, I want to try that. Why not? You know, why, why are we set in these parameters of, like, things must be this way? And then also, how do we get people to stop being so hung up on sex when it's literally the reason we all exist and are here?
1: hmm is not funny. You know, that's one of the things I say. It's, it's so bizarre that sex is such a taboo thing, but it's the one thing we all have in common and no one wants to talk about it, but everyone's kind of doing it or you know, some people are doing it unless you're asexual or whatever, but, right. um, and we're so weird about it. And I think, I think the best way to do that is just kind of, you know, making safe spaces like a podcast, like Instagram pages that are getting shadow banned. So like Twitter pages and things like that. And just, you know, um, opening up that floor for people to talk in a in a shameless kind of way and um and slowly but surely you see that trickle effect you know you might think you only have this small uh small imprint on like changing both lives but i know i did an episode not to keep shamelessly plugging my podcast originally originally i was just trying to have sex workers because i said you know i just want sex workers to have a voice and i feel like that's something sorely lacking and then the more I spoke about it and the more talks I did in like, public places where there were squares and that, I had more women coming up to me saying, you know, I, I struggle with this and this is my sexuality and blah, blah, blah. And then it takes, you know, like, no, there needs to be more space, safe spaces for everyone to talk about sex and what they're exploring. And I had an episode with Peaches Malone come on, and she's been in her marriage, I want to say, for around 15 years, around mm-hmm. there. And she's come to a place where she's like, you know, I want to start exploring things. I want to go to sex parties. I want to, I don't know where that's going to take me, but I just, I don't want, you know, I'm in my my twenties, I was very sexually liberated and I feel like that's died off. And I, that's not what I wanted for me. I wanted to keep exploring. And, um, and she's at this point in her life where, you know, not to speak for her, but this kind of what she had said on my podcast was that she was, you know wanting to get back to her original liberated sexual roots and her husband wasn't exactly on board and what does that look like and how Mm -hmm. are they going to navigate that and that really resonated with people because i think people are ashamed especially because of toxic monogamy to come out and say hey i i'm also wanting to explore and my partner doesn't and like how do we navigate this and i think giving voices to those people that seem like outliers, that are never really outliers, if that makes sense, um, it opens that that door for people to be like, hey, me too. Yeah. Hey, I experienced this too. Oh, I'm not alone. You know?
0: Yes, I do know. I know exactly. Yeah. I met someone recently who's like, I wanted to explore in my marriage and and they didn't. And I started noticing like the end of things because you know, I wanted to talk to sex workers online, and that was considered cheating in their eyes, and then, like, they re- eventually just, like, they out, they they went separate ways because one of them was more interested in learning about their sexual expression, and the other was like, nah, to all of that, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely do think, I, well, I mean, that's why sex workers are so great, because that is, like we allow that space for people Mm -hmm. to like understand that it's okay to explore and like, to be like, we will never, ever judge you. Like you can ask and talk about and, and tell me your craziest weirdest fantasy and I'll never be like, Ooh, that's mm," like, I'll never shake my head. And you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. No. One of the things I always say is like, I don't yuck someone's yum. As long as you're a consenting adult, I seriously do not give a fuck what orifices you're using, how many you're using, what's going in there. Like, as long as you're consenting adults, I do not care. Um, Exactly. On the flip side of what you're saying is also not shaming someone who doesn't want to explore, you know, like, and, you know, and for lack of a better term, vanilla, and and there's nothing wrong with being vanilla. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think when you're in a relationship where you're coming to the person and being like, I want to explore this. You also have to respect that people might not meet you where you're at. And yeah. I think that, that too can be hard when you're super sexually liberated. Sometimes we can start, sh- we can go too far and start shaming people that we envision aren't sexually liberated.
0: Mm-hmm. Just yeah. Because it
1: doesn't look like what we think sexual liberation looks like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, like it all comes down to communication and, yeah. and having open dialogue and a safe space to do so.
0: Yeah, so that actually brings me to, like, one other point that I wanted to make sure that we cover, which is, um, you know, what to do when your boyfriend isn't supportive of your sex work, which is kind of tied in. (laughs) Cut him out. Yeah, Uh, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know what? I. Because so I've been, I'm 29 now, right? So I have been in sex work for the majority of my 20s, which is a huge growing period of your life, especially with navigating relationships and, and becoming, you know, you go through these not so serious relationships and you start to kind of develop your own and, and whatnot. And I've, I've met people that have been like, oh, that's awesome what you do. I'm super like, yay, feminism. <laughs> I'm like, do what you want with your body. And that usually lasts till about two months. And then suddenly, not so cool. Um, or I find to a lot of people, it's really hot to fuck a stripper. Really hot to fucking date a stripper. Really hot to tell your buddies about the stripper. Yeah. And then it gets too serious, and now it's like, wait, but I don't want to. I don't want to marry a stripper. Yeah. I don't want to fuck my parents about a stripper. Uh. Um, so this like horror phobia is very prevalent with that, and this. And, and I think it's because we have this like whore Madonna complex still very much alive where like, you know, the mother is like this Madonna and she has to be this virginal thing or you're a fucking whore. You know, it's these two polarizing ideas. And for some reason, they people have trouble meshing that, um, which is one of the reasons why I love talking with women who are mothers and, you know, have had sex successful relationships. Not that that's, you know, um, a metric for success, but because it goes against this idea of like, or madonna complex um but yeah so i've experienced a lot of that where it's like i'm super hot and it's super hot to date me and like oh but i don't want my parents meeting you
0: yes queen and me too i have been broken up over my instagram account before like i love your instagram account i show it to my friends and then a month later it's like what am i going to tell my mom literally yeah those are his yeah. words what am i going to and i was like, uh, my in verse, like how dare you yeah, yeah I was cool I was a novelty and now I'm being cast aside
1: they hate they love and hate you for the same shit right and then I also get to when people date you so I like this is like you know me putting mascara on that's like the most you're gonna get from me on like my best days and uh, I just don't I truly do not give a fuck and I, you're not going to see me wearing laundry at home sorry to burst everyone's bubbles right now you know I'm not gonna be wearing my pleats around the house unless I'm making content um and it's funny these visions people have in their head when they date a stripper like you're gonna backflip on their dick every night and like right. <laughs> like, yeah. you know you're like a porn star all the time I think that kind of yeah. rocks their world sometimes too right yeah but the biggest problem for me is um this idea of like, well, what are you going to do when we get married? What are you going to do when we have kids? Like, are you, what are you going to tell the kids? Are you going to be a stripper forever? Blah, blah, blah. That's been a, that's been an issue, but I'm at a point in my life right now. I was previously in a relationship and for about a year and a half and he was quite supportive. You know, I even would invite him when I had clients who liked like voyeurism, they would, and he would, they would pay uh, to watch us. And I think that was a good way of kind of showing him one about clients aren't all these like things you see on social, like the way that media portrays it, you know, they're all these like really creepy, disgusting men who like take really advantage.
0: Normal people. Yeah.
1: yeah. He saw that. He's like, Oh, are these like all your clients? So I'm like, yeah, like I have autonomy over who I choose and I choose like respectful, like, you know, good men. Um, cause they're out there as clients more so than not in my experience. Um, yeah. so that was a good way of kind of like pulling back that curtain a bit for him but it was the it was his family i had the most issue with for sure in that relationship was you know they were v- devote mormons and uh right
0: okay yeah <laughs> as soon as i said they were like oh yeah okay, okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh had, the mormons
1: yeah and if he did something wrong <laughs> like if he got caught lying or cheating and there's a part uh, Um, uh once he was a little physically well not literally he was quite physically abusive at one point and you know his mom was like well you're a stripper it's too hard for him Oh my! I was like God. I like I literally called her. I was like, "You're you're the problem." You know, you in encourage this like horrible toxic masculinity and like, victim blame. She didn't like that, but that's okay. <laughs>
0: yeah, of course she didn't like that. Of course she didn't.
1: Um, yeah. I think called out right, but at yeah, the point is yeah, it uh, it's hard. Fucking hard to do. Yeah, and you
0: gotta you gotta let them go. That you gotta let them go. It's either that, or you spend hours and hours of educating them. You know, mm-hmm. um, if you really truly want to make it work, um, it, it takes a lot of patience. And it's just yeah, like, yeah. And therapy, I, like go to therapy. There's nothing totally. wrong. I think all relationships should go to therapy. People in general, I think
1: should go to therapy. There's nothing wrong with it. You don't need to be broken to go to therapy. Well, no, we you all need, need
0: therapy. therapy.
1: Yeah, you just gain more tools, and that can be very helpful in a relationship, especially one that's going through. Yeah, sex work and stuff like
0: that. Danica, I knew this was gonna happen. I have more things I want to talk to you about. And like the time is ticking by, but I'm gonna bring up this one last thing and this is gonna be it, and I promise. Um your posts on Instagram about Mrs., Ms. and Miss <laughs> uh-huh. that women have to be identified as a Mrs. As married, Ms. as widowed or an adult woman not married, or Miss as a young, unmarried woman, and Mr. is just fucking Mr. And why do you have to define women by their fucking marital status? And I was like, oh my God, I have never thought of it that way before. Yeah. And now I'm like, okay, what do we, what do we, what do we, (laughs) what is it? what do we all have that's like mister
1: yeah I know right so like I from what I always gathered MS was supposed to be this like unidentifying like you know you're you could be Miss, you could be missed you could be MISS you could be MRS um that's kind of how I've always just used MS if I need to um I also feel like with the you know people coming into more this idea that you know um how people self-identify and they're being much more accepting. I would like to think we'll start seeing that completely off forms that we had to fill out. Cause what the fuck does that have to do with anything? Um, but you know, I also see that a lot, this, um, this kind of like owner, like are you owned by a man then you're worthy or like this male, our identity constantly being associated with the men in our life and and that I see it really prevalent when people ask you out, if you say like, oh, I'm not interested, they go, are you are you dating someone? As if like, that's the only justification for you not wanting them. And then if you say yes or no, they act accordingly. It can't just be like, no, I'm single. I just don't want you.
0: <laughs> you know? yes, yes, because I've been struggling with lately, like, because I used to do this when somebody would ask me out and I didn't want to say yes, be like, oh no, I have a boyfriend. And I'm like, I'm never fucking doing that again. I decided like that's exactly. weird years ago.
1: Yeah. But it's and, and it's completely fair you did that because it seems like the only way people will fuck off is if they think that another man already owns you and they're like, oh, okay, she's already called for. Her. It's not like you can have your own autonomy and just say, Hey, I don't want you. You know? Isn't it wild?
0: No, I know, I know. know. And <laughs> like, I know you know, but it's still like even knowing that, like even like truly knowing that to my core, like saying to someone no, thank you. Cause I'm, I'm trying to talk to, you know, I talked to my mom about a lot of stuff and I told my mom, somebody asked her out recently and I was like, you don't want to do it, mom. All you have to say is no, thank you. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't have to say I'm called for. Um, yeah. And
1: also, can you imagine if, a, if you asked a guy out and he was like, Oh, I'm, I'm not interested. Thank you. Would you ever then respond with, would you have a girlfriend? Like, I don't think I would ever say that. I'd be like, okay, he's not interested. I don't need justification. Yeah. try to convince
0: him to give me a
1: chance. Like, yeah.
0: It's, it's so yeah. weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm seriously, like, from now on just being like, no thing. And I think I have. I think I have done it re- before quarantine when I actually could see men in real life. <laughs> <laughs> what are they? Deja vu. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, Wow. So I'm so grateful for that post. Thank you. Because like, I never had looked at it that way before. And it's just so clear and obvious. Mm-hmm.
1: I can't take full credit. I totally stole that post from someone. And I always, I always tag whoever the the person is. Yeah. Usually it's like, let's split it up or another uh, larger Instagram. But yeah, know, why not? Their content? So
0: I well, whatever I found it, found it through you. So thank you for making that more visible via mm-hmm. whoever originally posted it. Want to be fabulous, just like these strippers? Pay attention—it's stripper tips. Okay, Danica, tell everyone what your stripper tip is, please.
1: Okay, hey, since you listen to my podcast, you know I can literally do a whole episode on tips, mm-hmm. um, and I very much like to because if I've learned it the hard way, why should you have to? But the biggest thing and very much prevalent right now with like Corona situation is saving. Um, you know, when I worked in Fort Mac, when I first started, we made insane fucking money. And do you know how much I spent? Insane fucking money. You <laughs> know, like I know, like you, and I know uh, Sasha said it on the episode. You know, you start to hemorrhage like money when you make good money, and that was the biggest thing. And I think again, that's something I've seen change a lot in the industry over the years. Is the business mindset of girls now in the industry is is so much better than it used to be. Um, but yeah, save, save, save. Um, now, what I try to do is I try to spend like 10% of what I make each shift is like if I make like a really good shift, okay? So say I make, okay, for tax reasons that I want to say how much I make, but say I make like a good amount of money, um, I'll let myself have 10% of that spending and the rest is going between like into my savings or into like bills. And then, and you know, I I average that out if it was like, you know, I made 50 bucks on a shift because it was horrible and the club was dead. Okay, I'm not gonna like be like five dollars, <laughs> but like, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, just saving and having a plan and investing it, and uh, that's the biggest thing in investing. And if you don't know, um, because you know our education system does fuck all for telling you how to properly invest money. Unfortunately, we learn more about like you know um, Pythagorean poly- theorem or whatever that fucking was geometry,
0: <laughs> which I did that yeah, cosine
1: 90%. pan shit. Yeah. You know, um. Yeah, take courses. A lot of universities offer um, free courses for continuing education or very cheap courses for money management. So definitely take those. Um, it just pays off literally long-term, right? Um, so I'll give you three quick, quick tips. Okay. Uh, you know your boundaries. And that's one of the things, and it's okay to learn your boundaries as you go. Um, but you know, if you make a mistake and you slip up and you do something and you go home at night and you're like, I did not like that. I did not feel comfortable you're not obligated to continue doing whatever you just did that you didn't like. Like it's okay to explore and like find those boundaries and mm-hmm. yeah. And, and state them when, like when you need to. And if you lose clients cause of that or, or bookers or whatever, like it's worth it in the long run for like your mental state and longevity in this, in this career, I found like I will lose certain clients and I'm okay with that as long as like my mental state is like happy with that boundary I set it in place and it's okay to, pull back those boundaries or explore accordingly to how you're feeling each day. You know, some days I'm much more explorative with what I want to do. And then some days I'm like, today I'm just not, I don't want to, I don't, I'm not there right now. Totally. Yeah. And our third tip is respect people's time and energy. So this is more so for clients. If you're reaching out to a sex worker, the best thing to do is to tip them to message you back. Um, because, you know, especially if you're at, or if you're a newer stripper and you're asking other ones for advice, um, either to tip them or to offer them some kind of whatever you can. So if you have a large following, offer them promotion, things like that, right? Just to, um, I know even for me and you, hey, let's do an exchange. Let's have each other on, um, you know, because we both are, we're both working towards something and we both, you know, yeah. find value. There's time and, and we can help each other. And that yeah. kind of and, and respecting other people's time and energy is, is huge. And it will come back, and especially in a community like this, it comes back tenfold. So Totally.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Get ready for our rapid fire question round. It's time for Four for One. What do you think is the sexiest animal? Ooh, uh, tiger. Ooh, yeah. Tigers are great. Name one thing on your sexual bucket list.
1: Um oh you know what? I really want to go to like a Comic Con thing. And I know that's not really sexual, but like I'd like to like go to like the dirtier Comic Con version. <laughs> um, yeah.
0: A sexual Comic Con.
1: Yeah, because okay. I love Mono Mimi and I love that shit. So yeah.
0: Hot. Okay. That, can we just make that happen? A sexual uh, common with, like, orgy rooms and, like, cosplay, sex? Those are getting hard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm here for it. What's your favorite thing about quarantine?
1: Um, it's just – it's honestly kicked my butt in the sense where I'm going more full throttle on my online stuff. Like, my OnlyFans stuff, I've a schedule now that I do um, – and then my, my podcast, I've been more adamant about reaching out to people. And usually I'm very passive and let people come to me. So it's really, yeah, it's made me more productive in a, in a sense with my online work.
0: Perfect. And lastly, who's a sex worker activist that everyone should know about?
1: Uh, okay, so there's a lot. Um, Jim, I- number one. Okay, I'm totally blanking. Okay, so I don't know. She's not a sex worker herself, but she okay. has a lot of work with sexuality, uh-huh. and her name is Nicole Hodges, and she has um, a – like she it's called Girls Who Say Fuck is her brand, and she's so kick-ass. She has like this thing called Men Who Take Bath, so it scores um, masculine energy and what that looks like, and me and her have a sex worker thing coming up in the making, so –
0: lovely (laughs) i love it everyone needs to know perfect Mm -hmm. speaking of things that people need to know i did look up the article that we were talking about as far as making jokes about sex workers written by sasha cohen it's on bitchmedia.org so if any of you want to find that article that we were talking about earlier in this podcast you can look that up um and then please danica tell everyone how we can find out more about you and about your podcast
1: cool okay so my podcast is called 50 plus a tip it's on spotify stitcher google play google Podcasts, and 50 plustipcom apple music refuses to love me but we're working on it it's a growing relationship um and the podcast episode or instagram is at five zero plus a tip my work instagram is at danica underscore darling underscore ig danica with a c Um, if you want to see my vulva and give me all your money, my OnlyFans is OnlyFans.com slash Danica underscore Darling. And you can find me on Twitter and Reddit, same thing, Danica underscore Darling.
0: Amazing. What (laughs) a pleasure. (laughs) This has been so fun. Yeah, it has been. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. I'm very excited to be on your podcast very soon. Yes. Yeah. As always to our audience, thank you so much for tuning in. Yes, the stripper podcast airs every wednesday everywhere you find podcasts thanks for tuning in we'll see you next week bye hey guys i just want to remind you to rate review and subscribe to this podcast you can find us on instagram at yes a stripper podcast you can also watch this podcast on youtube at yes a stripper podcast and of course make sure you follow us on twitter at yes a stripper pod. Yes, a stripper podcast is produced by Mackenzie Mizell, Shelly Snyder, and yours truly, A.M. Davies. Be sure to email any questions or comments to yesastripperpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow me personally, you can find me on Instagram at thequeenofsexy. You can also check me out on my website, thequeenofsexy.com.